What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Yala. You know, the last podcast I said we were three days away from yeah. uh, a monumental day, uh, which was the presidential election results. Yeah. Uh, it's five days since the last podcast, and yeah. it's still not four days. It's and it's still not fucking over. Yeah, it's today a, is Thursday, fifth November, right? Yeah. Uh, the election day was supposed to be 3rd November. I guess, okay, I knew beforehand that this year is unique uh, and that it will carry on. But holy shit, man. Right now, as we speak, uh, I think Biden is at 264. Mm, mm. He's, close enough. Votes. He's close, close enough, enough to la. 270 that, that a lot of people are calling it for him already. Uh, yeah, I mean, man. maybe by the time this podcast goes out, maybe by then he'll be president. But, but the truth is, uh, I mean, isn't this, don't you think this whole presidential election process almost is a bit like, it feels like what twenty twenty has been la. It's just a lot of like, huh? What the hell is going on? Like, yeah. Everyone's like, oh, <laughs> the virus is going to be done by summer, you know, by by April after locking down for a while, we'll be fine, really. And after that, you come out and you're like, huh? Still, everyone's still yeah. in the middle of it. And <laughs> it's yeah, it's long, drawn out. No one knows when the fuck is going to end. Yeah. You think something's going to happen, but you still know at the back of your head that the complete opposite might happen. Yeah. Holy shit, man! And, and it is the, actually. Yeah, you think yeah. like, oh, herd immunity, oh, zero cases. Then you get news like, oh, no, 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 wait, you can get it again. Or 10 years later, your lungs will be fucked up and stuff like that. Then it's yeah, like, oh, right. what, what, what to believe anymore, right? Yeah. I mean, it's yeah, actually, this is the first election. I think you can go to sleep, get up, and then like, okay, there's updates. Then go to sleep again, yeah. then get up, and then like just find out more about... I mean, it's... it's like it's become a like a hum in the background, like like oh yeah, you know we are in the middle of deciding the most powerful man in the world. Mm, yeah. yeah, pass is a three day process. Yeah. Um, and, but yeah, man, it's been. I mean, in that way also, it's been quite interesting because one at the start was okay, Biden, Biden, Biden. Then it was Trump, 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 Trump. Then Biden, Biden. Then now who the fuck knows what's gonna happen, man? Yeah. I mean, and, we're not gonna be talking about that yeah. in detail during this podcast, lah. Yeah, but it's just interesting because it just shows you that the. Yeah, when in Singapore we had hours and then basically it was wrapped up by like, I don't know what, 1 a.m., 2 a.m. <laughs> yeah, it shows right. how boring our elections can be sometimes. <laughs> uh, so fast, you know, like, it, like their voting barely finishes at 9 and then the next thing you know, oh, it's over already. You don't even have time to really have a party and like play play drinking games or anything. Uh. Whereas this yeah. one, you can play for three days straight. <laughs> and like Singaporeans, a lot of people still went to sleep. Right? They're like, ah, yeah, we know already, uh, we know what's going to happen. Okay, let's go yeah. sleep. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> this, one, this one is like next levels, yeah. Yeah. Next level. But yeah. So I'm sure you guys, if you're listening to this podcast, chances are that you're also interested in the US president presidential election. So probably on the next podcast, there better be something for us to talk about. Because if it's three days, in three days and there's still nothing to talk about, then yeah, it is a uh, unprecedented times. Mm -hmm. Democracy would have failed us. Yeah. Basically. Democracy would have failed us, correct. I mean democracy might still fail us, lah. So we don't know. Um, but yeah. So uh, the uh, weekly plug. The weekly plug. Um, so if if this podcast has at any point in time brought you a little bit of joy, or if this is the first time you're listening to this podcast and you end up enjoying it, it'd be great to, you know, share the experience with at least one other person. Just send them a link, uh, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you can leave a review. Uh, share it through WhatsApp, Insta Stories, and tag us. That would be wonderful. And we also have an awesome subreddit where our listeners and fans uh, discuss the stuff we talk about, make awesome fan art and memes. So please do check it out. The link, as always, is in the show notes. Yeah, there's a, there's more new fan art from But Then Ho, which is yeah. pretty, pretty awesome. I mean, yeah. I, I, I even posted it on my own personal Instagram. 
And more think, ana- anatomically correct, lah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Correct, correct. I think yeah. I think it's based on our picture that we took for the shoes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's why. Yeah, that is why. So, uh, what is the first serious topic we are talking about? It's. I know we didn't have a chance for an election party, but we have another party to talk about. <laughs> and this is Party Liani. That's so cheesy that it's actually quite good, man. It's fucking great, right? <laughs> yeah, it's great. How long how long how long did you, how long ago did you think about that? It's not a spur of the moment thing, la. You already no, 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 prepared it's, it's it before. La, right? Spontaneous, spontaneous. Fuck off, la. I'm a, I have a good sense of humor. I'm that kind of guy. That's what, in my Tinder. You know, if I if I Tinder, they'll be on my profile. You know, you know anyone who says they have a good sense of humor, it doesn't. It's like if you're drunk and you say you're not drunk, what are you? You're drunk, right? Yeah. So if you say you have a good sense of humor, it's it just feels like you're trying too hard, like Terrence. Now you become a yeah. dad, really. You know, you've lost killer. all elements of cool. No. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, but that's fine. As long as as long as my kid thinks I'm funny, that's the most important thing. Hey, yeah. fuck off. Like, now you say something that I got nothing to say against. Yeah, yeah, Basket. Yeah. Sure, shit. Well played. Well played. Well played. But yes, well, what was the latest development in the Party Liani case? Uh, which is something we spoke yep. about on a previous podcast as well. Uh, right. Basically, I think uh, Shamugam, he, uh, Minister of Law, he promised that he would make a statement about the investigations into the Party Liani case. And mm. uh, broadly speaking, I think yesterday he came out and and he revealed about how there were lapses in the procedural, uh, in the police procedures uh, for gathering evidence and for interrogating uh, party. But he also took pains to emphasize that there was no intervention from the father of the of the uh, no the father the in the Liu family, family, the Liu yeah, family, yeah, the Liu that family. accused her of stealing stuff. There was no intervention from him because he's an, he's known to be one of the elites. Like, he's very powerful in the business world, you know ex-chairman of Changi Airport Group. And and basically, he also pointed out that there were a lot of um, discrepancies in his son Carl Liu's testimony and that's what led to the, the overturning of the ruling from the High Court. And it wasn't mm. because of uh, intervention from his father or or some, you know, some behind-the-scenes uh, handshake or anything like that. Lah. So, I think that was the, the, the big news that came out of yesterday's uh, parliamentary uh, session. Yeah. Debates, uh, yeah, yeah. So, but, but, I, were yeah. there more details as well that I left out? Um, I mean, I think generally we can go into the details, but I think mm. for context, right? So, I know someone on our subreddit said when we mentioned previous podcasts, it'd be good to put an episode number. So, it is episode number 91 where we talked about the case. Um, but just to... Because when we were doing research for today's episode, I had to refresh my memory on what the fuck happened the last time. Yeah. So, correct me if I'm wrong, but essentially... Pati Liani, uh, a foreign domestic worker for the Liu family, uh, was charged in 2019, I think, uh, with theft, uh, right, uh, by the family. And there was a there was a, a sentence that was mapped out and given to her. But then it it uh, I think there was a challenge and appeal, and a new presiding judge took over the case and overturned the sentencing and ultimately acquitted her, right? Mm. Uh, and that's when the the cracks in the statement about how the first two prosecutors kind of made certain leaps of judgment uh, and seemed like they were not doing the best job as prosecutors, seemed mm. like there was some fa- uh, favor uh, or prefer- preference towards the the people who put the charges across, which is the Liu family. And that caused the whole almost 
debate online la, about whether the judicial system in Singapore favors the power, powerful and the wealthy and kind of disadvantages the the people who might not have access to the best resources. La. Mm. So that was a recurring theme la, that, oh, if you're rich and powerful, the law bends for you. And if you're, uh, yeah, if you're, if you are not the not doing the best or discriminated against, then you're kind of fucked. La. So it's challenging the system, la, right? Yeah. So there was calls, I think it was started by a Workers' Party, Sylvia Lim in September or something, saying that she will file, file a motion to discuss the flaws of the criminal judiciary mm. system in Singapore. Um, and it will be discussed in Parliament. And even Shanmugam said that, you know, it's good to discuss these things in Parliament and that he himself will be making a ministerial statement. La. So I know that a few days ago when the motion, that I, I didn't know this process existed, but anyone can file a motion, any minister, and then it's up to the Speaker of Parliament who is Tan Chuan Jin to pick the five to to discuss, right? Yep. And do you know that I think one of the five that was picked up was an MP's request to talk about secondhand smoke Mm-hmm. And uh, Sylvia Lim's motion to discuss the criminal judiciary system, judiciary system was not picked up. La. So mm-hmm. then there was this online kerfuffle about how can secondhand smoke be more important, blah, blah, blah. And then um, it was still discussed in, in court, but uh, the biggest thing that happened these few days was Shamugam's ministerial statement, la, which he committed to doing a, a, a month ago or so. Yep. But what I understand about why it caused so much, um, how you say, polarization is that he spent like three hours in parliament mm-hmm. and he went into details of the uh, the case and I don't know, like reading it, it, okay, so first of all, this case fucking is really like he says, he says versus she says and we say against they say, which I guess yeah. is all legal cases. Yeah. It going into the details of like, oh, you know, this, the officer shook the watch so it was working then and it's not working now. So yeah. that was my first thought when I was reading through the thing. But what about you? Uh? What was your first thought when, when you saw this 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 new development surface? Uh? Uh, I think also there is good to mention two developments since then also. I think uh, yesterday also the Carl Liu, the son, was actually mm. charged, uh, has been charged in court with giving false evidence and information in the party Liani case. Uh. So, so that is actual uh, tangible action taken against the son for, I don't know, maybe for perjury, maybe for... For what I mean, it's still a case, so it's ongoing. He's not guilty yet. Uh, uh, he's not guilty until he's proven guilty, lah. But I think the other thing also was that um, a few couple of weeks back, if I'm not wrong, Party Liani herself uh, decided to file a complaint against the the two the, the prosecutors in the from the Attorney General's chambers as well, lah. So mm. that was like I think that was something she was deliberating on because if she filed the complaint, she would need to stay in Singapore longer, as opposed to moving on with her life, which has been for you know stalled for the last four years already. So she ultimately decided to go forward with the complaint. And I think that will end up... Um, that, uh, if I'm not wrong, I think that she was also advised, maybe she should just... She should um, uh, either like seek mediation or something mm-hmm. rather than rather than try and, uh, you know, uh, go to court about it. She also... Yeah, I mean, about three weeks ago, she was it was reported that she would proceed with complaint against the two uh, deputy public prosecutors, uh, and yeah, um, yeah. So it's it's going to be another long drawn battle. But this one again and, is like David versus Goliath, uh, You're talking and, about, and I think yeah, well, you're talking about complaints against lawyers, uh, Like if you want to complain against somebody, uh, I think the hardest 
before the complaint about lawyer. being lawyers. No, <laughs> 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 and I think why she was encouraged to go for mediation is because she was asking for compensation of 71,000. Mm. So how that number came about was, um, I think they estimated 40,000, $41,000 of lost revenue for a lost earnings from her for her from October 2016 to October 20th, 20, 2020, plus um, uh, the the cost of staying at the home quarters, la, the humanitarian organization for migration economics. Mm-hmm. So, and then I think the lawyer said, uh, the Justice Chan, uh, who is, uh, I guess the person who is presiding over this, mm-hmm. uh, kind of said that, okay, the number is a bit, it's beyond the $10,000 limit for compensation that uh, uh, someone who's uh, accused of something can can seek yep. and that it might be better to do mediation. La. But then, mm. so I mean, reading this whole thing, I mean, I, in, I'm i interested in this kind of stuff, but I, my background in law is just based on like whatever I read in shit like this and of mm. course watching TV shows. La. Yep. But it just feels like, wow, fuck, yeah, like the amount of detail they're going in and it just feels like... Uh, I guess okay, I guess what riled people up about Shamugam kind of talking about it in Parliament is that he was talking about it and he did say some stuff about some new evidence that was not discussed in court and kind of implied that you know if the defendant had brought this to light you know it could have impacted this and all mm. but he very smartly did not make any statements like. but I just feel like isn't it weird that he's talking about his case when it's already closed um, yeah yeah I mean I, in, I, the, I, in the sense that uh you're saying that he is, uh, it's sort of, it's already a decided case. There's a guilty party. Everything's closed already. So why does he seem to be introducing more elements that could have swayed the thing, could have swayed the case yeah. one way or the other, right? That's what you're asking. Yeah, especially, especially if it's just him in parliament. It's like if I had a, in, if on our Yalabad podcast, right, it was only me, like I just secretly record one episode and I just, sh- I just talk about everything about you, lah. Mm. And say, you know, Terrence is an asshole. You know, Terrence is not a nice mm. person. He seems like a modest person, but he's actually like snobby as fuck and all that. That's your and dream, you're not right? <laughs> you're talking, <laughs> that's, that's your ultimate right. dream, right? The one day you get away with that. Uh. Then Mike dropped, literally just, dropped the mic on the floor yeah. and ended. <laughs> actually, just saying that was cathartic for me. I felt yeah. a release. Uh. I, finally, I can voice it out. But yeah, if I recorded an entire podcast for three hours talking about this... uh. Feels like it wouldn't wouldn't be the best thing to do. So that's yeah. why I'm a little confused, lah. I mean, I know there's this thing called parliamentary protection or privilege, privilege or something. Privilege. Yeah, privilege, uh, your favorite word. Uh. Yeah. So so it feels like okay, he did say he needs to make a ministerial statement, and I can see the justification there, like, because people were challenging the system, lah, right? Mm. And you know, Shamugam, he's the protector of the system, right? Mm. But I I don't know whether he was just doing stuff that people are like, huh, fuck, can he even do this? And then yeah. he just did it. La. But I mean, uh, at the same time, just, just asking some lawyer friends and all that, they they do say that it, Shanmugam basically is like, that God. is one of the top two like lawyers in Singapore of all time. Of all time. Like he, really? Uh, based on what? Uh? Uh, just based on anecdotes from professors in NUS and stuff like that. La. Like, like there, apparently there are professors in NUS who are scared of like, you know, whenever... They had Shamugam in the class and things like that. Lor. Just legendary, la, legendary. Oh, wow. See, then, when he like, was a student. Yeah, and then, I, correct me if I'm wrong, la, lawyers listening to this, but there's some stories about, there, there's some, you know, the cloak that they wear as lawyers and all that, and then it gets passed down between, from generation to generation. And then I think oh. Shamugam is, is one of those like, 
who's who's who was passed down was handed this thing and <laughs> he's passing it down to somebody else. So there's some in their whole law society, like, you know, it's almost like a it feels like a cult or something like that, like, where like basically Shamuga is <laughs> one of the worshipped people in there. Like. So, so it's no, like okay, a okay, okay, let me take player. that back. It's not a cult, it's not a cult. It's just that he everyone in the law society <laughs> respects him a lot. So maybe it is uh it, I mean, maybe people actually do want to hear what Shamugam, the brilliant legal mind, uh, has to say about this as well. Because if he if he wasn't minister of law, he'd easily be, you know, a, a high court judge and everything, like, easily. And, or he'd be, like, you know, the the biggest law firm in Singapore, everything. So so people maybe do want to understand his judgment better on the whole thing. Although I know what yeah, you're saying, because he's the minister of law and yeah. it's just him talking for three hours, then it's, it's, it doesn't feel as fair, right? <laughs> no, but so that means you're saying, basically, he's like... Uh, He's like uh, Messi, la. you know, after you play right. a game with Messi, yeah. you want to change jersey, la, right? Yeah, yeah, so maybe right. after parliament, when the camera goes off, fucking everyone just yeah. like you know, <laughs> change t-shirts with him yeah. or something him, like that. Yeah, him and Davinder, like uh, Ronaldo and Messi. Ronaldo la. and Messi. Yeah, la. basically. Yeah. <laughs> Except that one is in private, one is in public. La. Yeah, yeah la, it's like really, sh- oh my God, Shamugam is Messi and Davinder is Ronaldo. Yeah, yeah, of the law, of the law system. La. Yeah. And, oh, like both Indian. How huh? long? Power like Indian. <laughs> yeah, see, Chinese people talk a lot, but Indian people talk a lot when it matters. So I think privilege is your favorite word, not mine. Let's eh? correct you right <laughs> <Yeah>. there. <laughs> no, but I mean, ultimately, like, uh, if if he's talking about protecting the system that mm. that is there and, you know, respecting the constraints and all that, then isn't he kind of, I mean, basically, like what you said, as Minister of Law, okay, taking him as an individual uh, legal uh practitioner okay he doesn't practice law anymore but he's he's the minister of law like, already yeah. he's he's in a position where you, you sharing your opinion is ultimately sharing the opinion of the government like, right mm. it's not say he's an independent commentator or something mm. then i would love to hear his opinion but mm. if he's saying it as minister of law that's where i feel okay can he even do this like and i don't know whether there's a precedent for this um just hearing from the WhatsApp group I have with my friends who are lawyers also. Um, yeah, generally, I don't think it's coming across as a as a good thing that he's doing, but it's it's like wow, uh, he's doing it la, and no one can really stop him la. Yeah. Right, but I mean, the, he also so, revealed details about the police officer who was in charge of the uh, in charge of you know the party case and how how the procedure the procedures of getting evidence was wasn't done very well la. And even he went to details about even you know how this person was overwhelmed at work and even went to say like he was facing a huge personal problem as well. Carl Liu, is it? No, no, no. The police officer oh. who was supposed to be gathering the evidence and everything. Oh. So that the level of detail uh, can only be accessed by someone like in his position, right? So there's no yeah. way like a public commentator or, or something like that who isn't, you know, in charge of this the is in in charge of ministry. There's no way that they would have access to information. So in some ways, um, you could say that he is okay, like maybe he's commenting or something, but he's also trying to provide more information, more context, and more understanding of you know why these lapses happened. It's not that he's denying that there was a lapse, or he was pointing out that yeah, you know, I guess the policeman was human. He made mistakes. It wasn't a deliberate thing where he where they were influenced by um, mm-hmm. the Changi Airport Group chairman lah, the ex chairman right? Yeah, so so I mean, to Shamugam's credit, he did also point out that, okay, like, Carl Liu's statements in court just kind of painted him as not the most trustworthy individual, right? Mm. So, and, and I mean, so I guess he did a good job 
uh, or at least he didn't totally uh, negate anything negative done by the accuser. But mm. yeah, I think some of the statements he mentioned like, okay, you know, one of the major reasons for the High Court to acquit Liani was due to a break in custody of the items allegedly stolen by Liani. La. So I don't think that's a quote from him that was inferred by something he said. And I also found out that the break in chain of custody just means that for anything to be considered evidence, there needs to be um, a proper uh, a chain of uh, in custody la, to ensure that the items are not damaged. But because, yeah. you know, in Liani's case, I think the boxes that allegedly had the stuff that she had stolen, there were items that were still being used by the family and also there was a break in chain of custody. La. So in some right. way, he is highlighting issues with the way this case was, was uh, how you say, uh, uh, conducted. But it feels like these sort of things, maybe like a independent third party or something to do mm-hmm. with just... Just for the optics of it, lah. Because on one hand, his fans, uh, his fanboys, and he fucking has a fuck ton of fanboys on Facebook. They are all in support of him, lah. So, it kind of I can see them thinking that okay, like okay, see there are issues with this case, and it's not just some sort of power imbalance and all. And then of mm. course on the parties, uh, party side, people are like shitting on Shamugam, lah, right? Mm. So it just feels like in this case, maybe a, a, like an independent, uh, entity doing this. It's like in a company, like you, you know, like you got a consultant, or even like a family, right? You yeah. know, like your mom tells you something, like okay, yeah. my, I don't know about you, like, but mom tells you something, I'm like, no, I know. But if someone independent and objective tells me, like what you said, if Joe Rogan were to tell me, right, something, I will listen to it more than my mom. You mean like, like when I say, hey, Harish, you should cut your own vegetables, that kind of thing, uh. Hey, fuck you. See, that's fake news. I will puff my your ass, okay? For the record, I cut my own damn vegetables, okay? I cut my own damn vegetables every morning. I have it myself. Okay, and yeah, yeah, no one else is involved. <laughs> no, but but um, so, I, I think like like when you talk about that that thing about um, you know, he's presenting evidence about the the police procedures and why they they failed and everything. It reminds me a lot of every time we watch those dramas like like uh, American Crime Story, you know, the the O.J. Simpson trial and all. And you know how dramatic it was when they brought in the, con- the basically the because it was in front of a jury, all right. So they had to wayang and bring in like concepts about you know racism and everything that why was oj simpson being charged with this murder mm. and then you know the famous if the glove don't fit you must acquit that, that line that the lawyer came up with uh. so the, the point was that you know the even just the gathering of this evidence and all is is very important uh. and i think uh like you said shamugam had to present this uh, everything and and you can see the lawyer in him when he's doing all this presenting like uh. he's basically trying to to persuade you one way or the other that this case was nothing more than a, you know, a, a treated as a petty theft case. In fact, that's something yeah, yeah. he said as well, right? There was just a, a very standard theft case. There was nothing special about it. No special intervention, everything. It's just that there were a lot of discrepancies, both on the Pati Liani side and Carl Liu's side. And, and ultimately, uh, that, that probably the police procedural side of things also was the big gap that also caused the high court, high court judge to overturn a lot of the stuff. La. Which which if you yeah. read the the what the high court judge said, I, I agree with la. like literally down to like, you know, is this is this um is this D V D player working? You know, like that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, that's There's like... the kind of questions that, that were not addressed clearly enough by the prosecution side. La. So that's why I, I feel like um as much as as uh, because uh, yeah like, they they do say they want independent inquiry and I, I get how that might help the public perception uh, but whether the resources you know to go into it are, are absolutely necessary I I am not I'm not too sure about that lah because it's a bit of a 
Like it's a bit like like what Trump is doing now, right? Like if let's say we set up an independent inquiry and then they say, Oh, there's nothing happened. Someone someone somewhere will also just say that, oh yeah, like, everyone's of course they're just covering up and all that. You know? So yeah. it, it's it's ultimately that if it's really not that uh big a case and it can't be there's no reason to like really pull an independent inquiry as if like uh, as if there was a intervention by by the Liu family and all. Then, then, yeah, I, th- I think it, it takes a lot of state resources to do an independent inquiry, uh, and then we cannot yeah. just not everything must throw out independent inquiry or so lah. Then, then ask MPs to earn less, uh, huh? They earn <laughs> one million dollars a year. Uh, use some of that to do independent inquiry, uh, Why cannot? No, but then, aren't you happy that Shamugam is earning what he's earning? Cause he's literally like presenting three hours of like lawyer lawyer work, you know, on <laughs> like being recorded on video in front of everybody, like three hours of that. Like, that's, that's a lot of talking. <laughs> no, so so I guess I mean yeah, like I, I think for him the biggest thing was because as much as he's minister of law, a lawyer, he's ultimately a politician, like. And when mm. someone accuses the system of being corrupt or something, uh, yeah. of course he has to say something, like Which is why you remember, remember Raisha Khan's tweet, tweet. Mm. Um, um, it 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 caused a lot of backlash because Shamugam sees himself as the protector of the system, like. So yeah. if any of you want to get Shamugam's attention, you know what to tweet, like. Uh, it might. <laughs> fuck you up for the rest of your life but if you want his attention you know what to tweet lah. yeah 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 but but um, I mean I guess the interesting thing is like what you pointed out like literally this morning Carl Liu has been charged lah, with giving false evidence and information in this case mm. it's not even on his previous accusations lah, right so mm. in this case so it feels like okay lah, maybe like it's it's not just like uh, the party side that, that is kind of being uh, di- dissected and analyzed, even if Carl Liu, like for him, now the law even says that this guy gave false evidence. Previously, yeah. it was always not the most trustworthy, but the law says he gave false evidence. Lah. So, yeah. And I think uh, the policeman, yeah. yeah, the policeman also is being put in the spotlight and, and, uh, and you know, questions about the, his competence, comp- his or her competence and everything. Um, and I think, uh, if I'm not wrong, Workers' Party also tabled the question of then is there something about you know the amount of workload that a policeman has to handle if they can't if they can't uh, gather the evidence in time and and things like that la. And, and then lapses like this happen do we allow that to happen on every single case that's the big question no? yeah that's why that's why this case almost it's like a how you say analogy for bigger issues like because like what you say it's fucking petty you know it's almost like if I were to go to court and say, you know, two years ago, Terrence, uh, I bought I bought a $5 cappuccino for him at Starbucks for one meeting. Yeah. And then the next meeting, he only bought me a kopi because we met at Coffee and Toast. <laughs> you know? And it's a three fifty he stole from me. Yeah, he fucking yeah. stole from me, he you know? Pr- I promised and, that I would, I would buy you a cappuccino, yeah. but I didn't, right? Yeah, 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 and two years have passed and he hasn't bought me a fucking cappuccino. Yeah. You know, like he fucking stole. I want to sue him for theft. But you so cannot find when you went to Starbucks, they couldn't find the receipt and everything. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> that's why the coffee beans had been thrown away already yeah. and had been tampered with. So when I saw it, it was like, yeah, this all these little details are more. I think for Shamugam, like, he needs to let people know that the system is fair and just. Mm, because right. if it isn't, then he's doing a shit job, yeah, But yeah. the amount of pettiness, like holy shit, like they even go down to, um, like the she was given like five statements and four in Malay. Yeah. Uh, one in Basel, Indonesia, and the translator was speaking fast. That's why she couldn't understand. Like, holy shit! But I guess that's law, la. Yeah. Right. And I mean, compared to something of... like the Little India riots or, or you know, like the death of an NS man and stuff like that. I think I think a theft case and and all is is probably much lower on the priority list. Uh, Which than... is why, yeah. 
which yeah. is why I found it interesting that you know when the people were shitting on the fact that Tan Chuan Jin chose the five motions and I think it's it's a ballad like he doesn't choose it's literally a ballad mm. uh, and the one about secondhand smoke was chosen and people like ah what the fuck you know there's inequality here in secondhand smoke but the MP who raised it I think Eugene uh, or something Louis one of the MPs right? uh, uh, correct where the fuck did Eugene come from what is Eugene's? Miss, yeah? Eugene, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Louis, uh, he pointed out that actually every year 383 people die like, and it's attributed to secondhand smoke. Yeah, so there's yeah, one correct. person a day dying from secondhand smoke. So then I was thinking, hey, fuck. Uh, actually, yeah, one is theft. Okay, yeah. you can argue system and all. But here's a case that actually causes, here's an issue that though tri- trivial, uh, does result in deaths that mm. maybe could be prevented. Yeah. So that's when I was like, oh, shit. Uh, and it's kind of like I don't know now as we're looking at the election and politics is in like fucking in our lives every day yeah. I think having looking at things objectively also is getting harder and harder yeah. because one of it almost feels like it attacks your principles you know mm-hmm. but another one attacks someone's life yeah. so that's but don't, like, but oh, don't, shit but at the same time uh, you know, I guess must be careful not to downplay the fact that for four years party Liani uh, you know, wasn't exactly having a party. La. She was like staying in, I mean, basically staying in a dorm and couldn't go home, couldn't work. She didn't even tell her family that all mm. this was going on because she was so, I mean, she didn't want her family to worry. La. So uh, pretty shitty. La. Like, and, and But the thing is that she rejected the opportunity to seek compensation from the Liu family. Like, I think she wants mm. to move on and probably not be seen as like she's doing this out of money or what, la, right? So, yeah. so, I guess that's the moral high ground that she's taken, but that's where yeah, like, it probably. Um, but she's com- seeking complain- the compensation, what? Yeah, what, yeah but what then do you mean not she- from the family, not from the Liu family itself. Oh, like if, if okay, you okay. if you could, you would seek compensation from the person who wrongfully you know uh, reported you to the police, as is proven now, right? He's being charged and everything. Yeah. So 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 that seems to me like a much more clearer avenue for direct compensation. So uh. she's asking it from where? From I think. Uh, through the AGC, like like what you were saying earlier. The oh, compensation, okay, okay. yeah, yeah. It's, that's why she's complaining about them through there and seeking a compensation through there. Yeah. yeah so, that's... I mean, instead of asking you for the 350 that you owe me for that uh, cappuccino, I should ask the AGC. La. Yeah, or Starbucks. Uh, you ask Starbucks to give you back the, the amount. Then they're like, <laughs> huh? <laughs> Just because I lost the receipt, you're asking me for 350. Kind of yeah, then it fucking la. blows up a case. Then I'll be yeah. like, yeah, this is Indian, Indian versus Chinese. La. You know, same more shit. No, Chinese can get away with it. That's what I'm saying. La. Like, if there was an independent inquiry that attracted even more attention and everything, you yeah. would 100% be sure a lot more people would jump onto the, you know, whichever side you support. La. There'll be a lot more people jumping on the bandwagon, accusing the other side of like, oh, you know, we are your partisan interests, blah, blah, blah. So, I, I don't know whether it's, it's worth that kind of like uh, media circus and all that. So, I can see why they're trying to sort of just nip it in the butt now. But okay, nip, we're charging yeah. this guy. The police is getting, the policeman is getting uh, investigated. The lawyer is getting complained. We let it, the complaint happen and see what happens, you know. Hey, maybe us as a failing YouTube YouTube channel, right? That would be the best thing for us, no? Like, uh, you know, got all this YouTube drama, right? This would be yeah. the first YouTuber, the intra-YouTube drama, where one half of a YouTube channel is suing the other half over $3.50. <laughs> think about the fucking following we will get man then yeah. we can you know split our MOF Instagram account into like uh, like two separate parts and I tweet uh, like I share my my story you share your story and then we fuck with people's minds uh. and after that come back together it's a prank it was all yeah. just for no just no no come back together people. we do one of those videos you know where we sit down in front of the camera then <sighs> you know this is not going to be an easy video to make then we cry yeah. and make up 
yeah. Who are you referring okay. to in any case? All the fucking YouTuber <laughs> apology videos, lah. No, one thing I did want to point out is that it's it's you know like one thing for for Shamogam to go into the details, but what I feel always it's hard to portray via in words or just from someone else speaking is that for Patti Liani, and I think her, her lawyer uh, articulated it quite well in a video that was made like two months ago saying that mm-hmm. if you're a domestic worker in Singapore, yeah, it almost makes sense for you to plead guilty just to get over whatever accusations are, 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 are put against you to move on. Lah, because mm. it's, there's, it's almost like the odds are against you to do anything that would have a positive outcome or like to, to prove your innocence. And if you look at it objectively in terms of time, effort, emotions that are spent, right? Like, like what you said, for a party, the past four years must have probably been shit. Um, there is almost an incentive to not fight for what is right and just succumb to the easiest way out. And I think when, when people are describing the objective facts of a case in parliament, for example, these sort of things get missed out. And what made me think about this, right? Because yesterday I was driving back with my uh, girlfriend and we came from dinner and there was a roadblock uh, near my house. Like, I've never mm. seen a roadblock, mm. right? And I had no alcohol at all over dinner. But immediately uh. I was thinking, hey, fuck, the tiramisu, the rum how, and like, oh shit, does the light lemonade have any alcohol? Then you almost feel like, oh fuck, like, I don't know, there's this certain like uh, thing which makes you which makes you kind of question yourself and that sort of I know that's a very trivial thing, but that sort of dynamic, right? It's it's hard to articulate when you're just looking at the facts of a case line. I think these sort of David versus Goliath things always encompass that, which is why it becomes very tricky and almost fluffy to a certain extent. Then what happened at the roadblock? You never finished your story. Oh no, so I did the breathalyzer, count one to ten, and I got away. Uh, not say got away. Not say got away. Not say got away. <laughs> I I was deemed uh, not an alcohol, not having drunk alcohol. Uh. But oh. for that moment, for that moment, I was thinking, "Fuck, is this the day? You know, like all the alcohol that I drank in the past will come out from deep within my 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 what, the depths of my uh, body and just emanate." Uh. But the, the breathalyzer, happened, they uh. they did breathalyzer for every single person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. you never, you never like, wow, what's this? Is is it cause I Indian? That's why this is happening to me. You didn't even make a ruckus uh, about that. Uh. No, I didn't. Even though the person in front of me was an Indian guy. Oh, <laughs> and I know because he stepped out of the vehicle. Oh, oh, he was drunk, yeah. is it? No, 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 no. He, he was fine. But I think no, I think his car was one of those very low cars, like a sporty car or something. Mm, so got he got stepped it. out. Got it, got yeah, it. yeah. Wow. But yeah, Exciting. so so there was, there was something happened last night that made me think, eh, you know, I have to include this in the podcast tomorrow. Yeah, uh, yeah, quite tangentially, <laughs> but okay. <laughs> hey, fuck you lah, okay? It's related, okay? I was no, talking I think, about... I think we the... are going through... I mean, uh, like, yeah, it's never easy going through any kind of legal kind of process, lah, right? Because it's so... Yeah, man. It's a bit like going to see a dentist. Lah. It's never a fun meeting with a lawyer because they're always telling you the worst case scenarios and everything. And then after that, when you have it hanging over your head for like one year, two years, it's... It's just very exhausting. La. After a while, it's like, how many times do you want to just keep talking about the same issues yeah. and all that? Yeah. So I can totally see where Pati Liana's life, Liani's life was like, you know, in shambles for like four years. La. It's tough. La. Yeah. And and shout out to her legal defense, man. Yeah. Fucking awesome, Zell, that guy. Yeah, yeah, What's yeah. his name? Uh, to to give it the due give, respect. Give shout out. Proper shout out. Uh, huh, huh. Shit. Yeah, just make some small talk, eh? Okay. I mean, we we are also transitioning to our next topic already, right? Yeah. Uh, because yeah, I since, since, since we're talking about yeah. party, let's talk about some party music. 
Ah, okay. Anil Balchandani. <laughs> Anil Balchandani, the defense yeah. lawyer. Shout Fucking out to Shout him. out to you, man. Shout out to Anil. Uh, I'm going to take a leap of faith, but I think he's a fellow Cindy. You know, to all of oh. you out there, if you ever want to identify a Cindy, right, uh, which is a person from a certain part of India uh, that is now half in Pakistan, I believe, Sindh. Uh, yeah. If their name ends with Ani, right, chances are they are Cindy. Yeah. So that's a third like Indian lawyer you sh- we shouted out today. Eh? Oh, yeah. Fucking Indian lawyers. <laughs> dope, yeah. Maybe I should have become a lawyer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, that ship has sailed. That ship has sailed. But yes, back to back to the other party that you mentioned. Party music. Part, now it's about party music. What, party music. What was the big news about music, the, from the music industry that rocked the world? From the music industry, fast, yeah. Fast few days, yeah. Oh, music industry. So on Monday, right, uh, there was a certain video that became the most watched YouTube video in the history of the fucking internet. Uh, uh-huh. And it is none other than Baby Shark. God damn. Baby Shark. God damn. 7 billion views now. Yeah, seven crazy. billion views, and it dethroned, uh, I believe, Despacito. Mm, mm. Yeah. So and the, the thing I didn't realize, but but I only found out after reading this article is that Baby Shark is produced by a South Korean uh, company yeah. or something. So that means, tell you, yeah. um, the in the top five videos of all time, there's two South Korean songs: this Baby Shark and Gangnam Style. It's crazy, right? Yeah. It's fucking crazy. And I, as as much as we're talking, oh, you know, the US superpower, China superpower, Russia superpower, I think the super soft power right, of the world right now is Korea, man. Mm. South Korea. The shows, yeah, the I movies, mean, if, yeah. the music. If you go to Netflix trending in Singapore, and I'm guessing in a lot of countries, it's Korean drama. You go mm. to fucking YouTube trending videos, fucking K-pop everywhere. Blackpink. Uh, Blackpink Black Black is basically Spice Girls of this era, right? Yeah. yeah. Blackpink. And like, and there's Blackpink, there's what else? Uh, there's Twice. BTS, Twice is also. Yeah. There's Twice also, right? I, I'm not sure. I only know Blackpink because they had the documentary on Netflix also. Just recently. Oh, did you, did you watch well. it? Did yeah, you watch I saw it? a bit and, and it was really quite interesting. It's quite interesting. Why? Uh? Um, I mean, I never knew this. Lah. I mean, I just like, oh, occasionally I see their videos and oh, they all just look like plastic surgery uh, and they all look like each other and everything. But actually, these girls are... They come from pretty diverse places. Uh, like I think, uh, yes, they are all manufactured pop starlets, but they actually originated in different parts of the world. Uh, like they're from the Korean, South Korean diaspora spread out across the world, like New Zealand. Uh, one of them is actually Thailand, uh, right? Yeah, one of them is actually Thailand. Thai itself, and she, yeah, yeah, yeah. So she is probably the biggest thing in Thailand Lisa now. Lisa, right? Yeah, yeah she's Lisa, the biggest. Right? Yeah, biggest. Uh, Thai, Thai export in the world, uh, pop export now, and and. Yeah, then two of them are from New Zealand. For some reason, mm. I think the all the nature and sheep and space in New Zealand makes people want to join K-pop bands also. So two of them from New Zealand and one from so Korea. So that means they, they went, they're Koreans who were based out of this country and then there was what, a call to, hey, yeah. you know, uh, if you want to be part of a, uh, a a K-pop girl band, just come for audition. So it's like yeah. like like One Direction, right? Pretty much, yeah. yeah. They, they were kind so of they manufactured. Were, they were manufactured, they were assembled, but then... Once they were accepted, they still had to go through. It was apparently in there is still like a factory at that like, where you still have to. Uh, it's almost like you're streaming at that way to take PSLE and all these kind of things. Then eventually, those who don't make the cut they fall out, and then those who make the cut they get grouped together into groups like Blackpink and and and, and, oh, and then the whole success, yeah, the entire success is like really 
it wasn't overnight lah. It was like it's years and years of grooming and and oh the, the word grooming is very bad, but grooming, yeah, grooming, grooming and then like you know dance practice, singing practice, and uh yeah like They just and they're exposed to the music industry from a very young age, so they work with the best producers and stuff like that to to create the to encourage them to you know even learn how to write their own songs and stuff. So, so, so they're so not they, just they're not just talentless, you know, good looking people who who have done plastic surgery. They've they've gone through they a lot, lah. Yeah. Did the documentary cover that whole process? Yeah, yeah. They go into each oh, of their shit. individual ch- yeah. Yeah, children background and they show the old videos of them auditioning. And I mean, they're not old. Like, they're, not, they're probably from the 2000s, you know, when when we were already adults. So you, you, these kids, they, I mean, they're really kids. Uh, but now they, you know, they are like pretty, pretty much like global, global stars, superstars, uh. man. Yeah. And they, they, yeah. they've been in the industry so long. They have this... When you hear them talk, there's this sense of like, yeah, lah, the industry is like that. And, and they understand that they are very, it seems like they understand that they are very lucky or very privileged to be in the position they're in because they've seen a lot of people drop out along the way. So it's not going to be, I don't think they are going to be like the Spice Girls who like after a while, they're like, ah, you know, success isn't for me. I'm tired of this world touring and earning millions of dollars. I'm, I just want to like go and be a solo artist and do my own thing. But- but even the Spice Girls also were in some way manufactured by Simon Cowell, right? Simon, yeah, yeah, Simon Fuller or Simon Cowell. I can't remember one of them. But the same, but they they had such a short. I mean, they were basically around for like six years or something, like right? Yeah. They didn't really. They, they after a while they just fell out and they just just didn't feel like they had the motivation to carry on as a group anymore. Whereas, uh, yeah. I don't know, with these South Korean ones, I feel like it's more like they know that they've been in it for so long since they were like kids, really like kids, kids. So it's a bit different. How do we get yeah, to this topic? We're talking about baby shark. Uh, <laughs> South Korean soft culture. Oh, no, yeah, because yeah, correct, I think correct. I think it's worth talking about because, you know, for all we hear about, you know, the China and like how they almost manufacture Olympians. You know, they have these schools that they bring super young people and they groom them and train, train, train. And ultimately, the real fucking amazing athletes bubble to the top. Like. It feels yeah. like South Korea did that, but for culture and music and arts, like, yeah. which I mean, is damn seen- bloody interesting. You've seen, you've read the articles about the Hallyu, Hallyu movement and all, right? No. Well, basically, no. it was a, they, basically, there's a couple, couple of really good articles out there. I, I've seen some shared by, even by like, Sunny Liu and all about how uh, it was a very concerted effort through the 90s to move South Korea's soft power and, and they move the economy through branding, marketing and everything uh, in the proper direction. Uh. So, a lot of things like, you know how Samsung and all have become very big household brands because they focus a lot yeah. more on the marketing side of things and, and the packaging side of things. Plus, I mean, obviously the technology. But then also in the soft power side of things, they started to really, uh, you know, pump a lot of money. They meaning the South Korean government. Uh, they understood the power of, of soft power and they started mm. to pump a lot of money into, you know, making sure that South Korean music and South Korean producers, singers, everything get exposure outside of South Korea. So so they yeah. saw it. They saw that as a way for them to, to you know, to reap the benefits twenty years later, la, and really see the it's world, genius, start, yeah, starting the worship. So whereas in Singapore, we're still like, oh, you know, it's not relatable to Singaporeans. It doesn't. It doesn't hit our our you know, uh, what it doesn't hit our local market. So it's not worth pursuing. And then in Singapore, such a small market, you know, we like film is pointless and all this. So. <laughs> I mean, if anything, like now the fact if you've ever spent a dollar on South Korean watching a South Korean movie, TV show, that means on Netflix, or 
listen to a South Korean track or, or even just watch something on YouTube uh, means you've given money to these people and, and it has the Hallyu movement has worked. Uh. Yeah. And in fact, like, you know, for us, like, don't, like, the general message, don't fucking use English. Okay? Yeah. You go out, you, speak, you go out of Singapore, you speak proper English. Don't fucking use English. But I heard even stories of how, like, I don't know whether this, I've heard, I don't know whether this is verified or not, but for LG and Samsung, when their TVs were on display in other countries, right? You know, you walk into courts or Harvey mm-hmm. Norman, these TVs always have stuff on them, right, that yep, they're playing. Yep. They basically made it a point to play Korean content. Uh, in Korean airlines, they they would play Korean uh, K-pop, yeah. just to you know subconsciously let it uh percolate into people's consciousness like, Which is fucking smart, man. How yeah. dope would it be if like Singapore Airlines, you know, just plays like songs by uh Charlie uh, Charlie Lim or Young Raja or mm. Faris Jabba or Jasmine Soko and all that, and just they're like fuck it, no, un- uh, like uh, non-negotiable. Like, they're like, you know what? We just play local music. How yeah. dope would that be, man? And like, yeah. um, yeah, so that's all. And I also found out that, you know, Thai restaurants abroad, right? It's almost mm. like the Thai uh, tourism board, they have a template for how your Thai restaurant should look like when it's in other countries. Yeah. Just so other people, so it exports the culture, like, which I think is fucking dope. Like. This baby shark thing is not the most Kore- South, it's not the most South Korean, like, you know? It just happened to be a, it's an educational company in Korea that produced the video. No mm. one knows the origins of the song. I think there was some talk that it might have been something that counsellors came up with to to fight the effects of Jaws mm. <laughs> amongst young mm. kids. Um, yep. So so it was just interesting. Like, but the fact that it's the number one video on YouTube, hmm. Did, I'm, I, I, I'm not happy about it. Uh. <laughs> We're not happy. We're not happy. Because like, I mean, yeah, like, okay, this one also one time when I was at a friend's place whose uh, daughter loves the song and, they, and we were, you know, choosing like cool videos to play on YouTube, you know, like as background music. I think someone suggested Baby Shark and everyone's like, oh yeah, let's watch Baby Shark. And I was like, fuck lah, you know, we are, we are here, why the fuck are we listening to Baby Shark? Then apparently, I made a face lah while this three-year-old kid was dancing and now that's held toward, uh, against me for, for the rest of eternity lah. Like me just shitting on a three-year-old's uh, desire to dance to Baby Shark. If my yeah. friends who are listening to this, you, you know who you are, okay? You know who you are, okay? But, but yeah, yeah, so... Baby why- Shark... It's the most watched video. I just but you're like not the only one that, that seems to have negative things to say about it. Like. I think a lot of people treat it almost like... I think there are examples in articles about about this video that uh, they were playing it as punishment in in, uh, in prison oh, or something it? like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, non-stop. Like. They just kept playing it on and on. A bit, a bit like how... You know, in the 90s, we used to... Uh, I think in the 90s, we used to say, oh... To really, the punishment, ultimate punishment is to put someone in a room and just play Mariah Carey for him all day, right? And then mm. in the 2000s, it became, um, what's that band? Uh? The one that, that uh, Avril Lavigne, she's married to the lead singer. Is it? Mm. Um, Nickelback, 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 yeah. Huh? She's 2000s, married to the lead singer of Nickelback? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then in the 2000s, everyone's just saying, oh, you know, Nickelback is the worst music in the world and stuff like that. So, yeah. so I think Baby Shark is somewhere up, is somewhere in that discussion right now. Great the of the goats of like, uh, you know, popular culture, hate, most hated music. Huh? <laughs> I mean, admittedly, also the second most watched video on YouTube, Despacito. I'm sick of that also, like, and I think a lot of people are sick. And yep, I guess yep. there's no avoiding people getting sick of you if you're being fucking played seven billion times. Huh? Yeah. Seven billion times. Yep. Yep. Correct. But yeah, I'm sure you're gonna play it for your kid, right? At some point. Uh, not yet, not yet. We're still, we're still trying to 
ease up, ease up on the media and everything. But I've seen I've Just, seen instances yeah. where where some kids they actually watch like Blackpink videos and then it, and it calms them down la. Like they are like you know inconsolable or what. And then when you play put on a Blackpink music video of them dancing and gyrating, the kid just like is mesmerized and stops crying. Like a young kid? Like, like wow. a toddler-ish. La. Yeah. So, mm. so it, I mean, beyond Baby Shark, there's also like Blackpink. La. But uh, yeah, la, if, uh, it depends on your, it depends on how, how you want to bring your kid, la, whether you think it's okay for them to, to idolize uh, these, these K-pop idols. You know, I, I, I can't guarantee that if I'm ever at your house and your kid is there and you play Baby Shark, I can't guarantee that I won't make a face. <laughs> la. Okay, I will try and hide it for the benefit uh of of the mood but i will i, I probably will still make a face la. okay i'll still make then a face i'll have to insist that. that you keep your mask on when you enter the house <laughs> you don't i'll make a face with my eyes yeah your eyes but keep your face with my mask on you can cover your eyes also It'll be great <laughs> <laughs> well yeah baby shark wow congratulations baby but shark man yes, baby jump the shark. shark to become number number one already yeah. no after this he's gonna jump the shark Mm, when everyone hits it, lah, right? Yeah. yeah, when everyone hits it. Yeah. But yeah, speaking on the opposite side of things that people hate, mm. we're going to share with you things that we love. Yep. In our final segment called One Shook Fucking Thing. Mm-hmm. So, what is your One Shook Thing for the week, Terrence? Uh, my One Shook Thing is actually a YouTube channel I just discovered. It's uh, mm. it's less than 100,000 subscribers, so uh, it's still very fresh. It's very new. But um, they do something that I think has been a long time coming already. La. They basically mm. go into the history of YouTubers. So I, I, I think the most recent one I saw was, remember this little little YouTube channel called Simple Pickup? Yeah. Yeah, so this channel, uh, this channel is called J-Law, like J-A-Y-L-A-W, J-Law. Mm. And uh, mm. they he it seems to be, um, the videos go in depth, like almost like those documentary style into the history of these big YouTube channels, and then where are they now? Because you know, I don't know if you little little nugget of information is that Simple Pickup uh, was one of the hottest channels at around the time the Ministry of Funny also started. So our mm. first really viral viral video was, I would say, was shamelessly inspired by them, lah, right? Yeah. But where are they now? That's the thing. You you, you don't see any of these pickup videos anywhere anymore. Uh, and this and this channel goes in depth into all these pranksters like Vitali, like Simple Pickup, and delves deep into where are they now, lo? And it's quite it's quite interesting to see um, hmm. the evolution of these YouTubers over time, especially even Simple, especially Simple Pickup, because yeah, 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 I think they moved on beyond just YouTube, and and you know at one point they were we were seeing them on ads every single day on on YouTube itself, like They were selling a a different kind of product besides pickup videos and pickup yeah. techniques. So so this channel J Law seems to be going in a direction where they yeah, they they actually explore what happens to all what happened to all these YouTubers who were hot five years ago. La. And oh, if you ask me, I think yeah. Singapore is ripe yeah. for something like that as well. La. Like look at I mean if there's any more complete stories, there's like there's you know, there's Eden Ang, there's Dikosh and everything as well. Where are they mm. now? That's the question, right? Where are they now? Uh? Correct, correct. Where yeah. are they now? So J Law, check check that channel out. Maybe we need to give it a few more months for some other influencers to do something ridiculous or something to be uncovered uh, before there's enough traction to start a channel. Uh. Like like uh, like us, uh, basically. We get you get caught drunk driving, then that's it already. Uh. 
Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, where is Harish Chalani? Yeah, from eating uh, too much correct, tiramisu. Correct. Yeah, exactly. Got drunk on tiramisu, man. Yep. Drunk yep. on tiramisu. J-Law, check cool. him out. J-Law. Okay, cool. My one shook thing is a, is a post made by the projector in Singapore. Mm. You know the projector? There's, um, for those of you listening who have never heard of the projector, uh, please go check them out. They're yep. actually a cinema. They're in Singapore at Golden Mile Tower. Uh, on the fifth floor that it really shows like indie art house films or films that you won't normally get at the big golden villages or something but which are great movies like. and I think they do a good job kind of making the whole experience nostalgic and ret- uh, a bit retro like. so what, yep. what they posted about I think yesterday was just a explanatory Instagram post about why their ticket prices on weekends and all are in- increasing so mm-hmm. I just thought that you know now okay a lot of businesses are going through trouble and um yeah like it's it's tough times for a lot of businesses but it's still tough to maybe hike up your prices lah because yep. any like the average consumer is not going to care about where you're, where your what issues you're facing a price hike is a price hike so I just yep. thought they did a good job of communicating why their price has risen and mm. very in line with their personality which is a bit tongue in cheek. And yeah, the the comments that were on the post were all very supportive. Lah. I think it helps mm. that their community in general, it's a niche. Uh, it's not definitely got, not going to be mass appeal. So people yep. who like the projector are already fans of, you know, cinema and film and something a bit more retro. But I just thought they did a good job of the pictures they use and the yep, message yep. They, they posted. Lah. So mm. shout out to you guys, the projector. Nice. I mean, the shout oh, out nice. also to the, the ex-GM of projector, Sharon. I think mm. we, we, we know her and she was pretty instrumental in bringing the projector to where it is today as well. Oh, we, did, right? we did our first and only live show at the projector, which was a fucking awesome experience. It was two years yeah. ago, uh, yeah. V-Day. We found yeah. out three weeks before we, we discussed with them and we managed to sell out an entire auditorium. Yeah. It'd be cool to say that we are planning our next live show, but who the fuck knows when that will happen? We we are doing live zooms uh, live zoom shows uh, right live zoom There's shows yeah. live zoom shows I mean uh some some people actually find us funny enough to entertain their their zoom conference conferences and all that so yes, it's something yeah. we're trying out ourselves and um it should be pretty fun yeah yeah should be pretty fun yeah but if so, you if if, so, if you're yeah. interested to get us to to come and do a yalabat for your for your whatever your retreat or for whatever birthdays for anniversaries yeah, yeah. open for, anniversaries. let us know yeah open house anything man anything because yeah. we can talk about anything yeah cool cool man cool 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 so cool, cool, cool cool see y'all yeah. the next time talk to y'all next time and have a great fucking week bye bye